0: Nice to see you. Thank you for having me, and Gareth, Craig, Whilst my Afrikaans, Mikey. First, thank you so much for having me, Colin. It's amazing to be here. Um, the founder of this church, as you heard, Brendan didn't say it very clearly, he looked through the whole Bible, Abraham, Joshua, the whole Bible, on what to call his son, and he decided to call him Rory. It's phenomenal. That's why I'm here. It's the only reason he couldn't find a name in Hebrews 11 for his son. Uh, the other reason I'm here is hul tamal tuetalag and ek viet baie van jelle's buur. So, aangename kennis. It's baie goed om hier saam met jelle te wees. Ek is 'n bol. Ek is van Pretoria af, en ek's baie goed om jelle te sien. When I got to Pretoria, I couldn't speak English, and I felt the Lord say, "You're Afrikaans. You must growlier my maat." So ek kan Afrikaans praat. Ek kan julle doop na die diens. Ek kan van die boek van Handelinge preek. Hoofstuk 18, verse 17 tot 28. Het, het in my kop. But um, the main reason I'm here is because I had a nervous breakdown and um, I ended up with a psychiatrist and I never thought I would. I was head boy of my school. I was captain of the first team rugby. I thought I was going to be the next president of South Africa, and then I went into ministry and I ended up sitting with a psychiatrist who told me that I had problems. And um, so Brennan's actually much worse than you think he is. No, no, I'm being dead serious, and um, it's not an issue of sin that has got him here. It's an issue of pressure over many, many years. And um, this house has an apostolic relationship with advance and with common ground, And so I'm not going to violate that. I'm not stepping in for that. I don't have a team. I don't want you to join me. Uh, I don't have a movement. And so I come here as a pastor. I'm not an apostle. I'm not a prophet. I'm a pastor. And what a pastor does is when people are in trouble, they come and they cry with you. And they're going to tell you it's going to be okay. And um, God, somehow, I had to stand up in front of my church and say to them, I'm on psychiatric medication. I have got a, there's something wrong with me. Uh, my output has exceeded my input and I'm in trouble. And I'm back in ministry now and I don't know what the road has been. I've seen people that don't go back into ministry. But this is not an issue of sin and it's an issue of, of... And you know, somehow they think from the from the neck up there's a problem and from the neck down it's okay to take medication. You think like if it's for your something then it's okay, but from here up it's like not okay. I've taken medicine from here up. And uh, so I stand here with a a deep compassion in my heart. Not just for Brendan, but for the leaders because of what they've been through. I've prayed for these leaders every day since the day they called me in to come and help them. So I don't come here as some hit shot trying to, you know, I just come here to maybe cry with you, with some of you, because it's not just Brendan, it's Brendan who's been honest enough to say, I'm in trouble. And I can stand here and say, I've also been in trouble. And, um, I don't think I've ever got back to my full capacity, and, um, and I don't think God will let you get back there because you're going to do the same stupid things again, which try and build the church without his power, run ahead of ourselves, get caught up in apostolic movements, travel to the world, uh, trying to change the world while we're not quite all together ourselves. So I stand here as a broken man, and the very reason I don't stand on the stage, I never preach from the stage. Since the day I had my nervous breakdown, I always preach off the floor. And people say, why do you do that? I say, because I know I'm this far away from just falling over again. The world is tough, eh? The riots, the, that um, lady who killed her three children in New Zealand, her husband is in our church. He's the one who came home and saw his three children Suffocated with cable ties. And every Sunday when I get up and preach and I look at him standing and worshiping. When I listen to him standing and worshiping, I just think, it's not easy, eh? Not easy. So I want to preach for me from the book of Acts. Don't don't look there. I'll just preach. And the book of Acts ends like this in the NIV 84 translation. The last three words of the book of Acts are Lord, Jesus, Christ. Say that with me. Lord Jesus Christ. Let's say it with faith. Lord Jesus Christ. Capital L, capital J, capital C. Lord, Jesus, Christ. Capital L, capital J, capital C. That's how the book of Acts ends. And inside the book of Acts, on a 30 year journey, is every kind of opposition that you can imagine. There's snake bites, there's shipwrecks, there's storms, there's Sadducees, there's court cases, there's splits, there's breakdowns, there's relational description. There's everything that you can imagine happens in the book of Acts. And at the end of it, it says, Lord Jesus Christ. This is how the book of Acts starts. It says, Jesus preached about the kingdom for 40 days. So it starts with Jesus and the kingdom, and it ends, it starts in Jerusalem, and it ends in Rome, and it says, for two years, Paul preached about the kingdom of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So the brackets of Acts in that 30 years, the brackets of Acts are Jesus and the kingdom. So what are you here for, Rory? I'm here to put Jesus in the kingdom around Brendan and Tash Locke. I'm here to put Jesus in the kingdom around the elders of this church. And I'm here to put Jesus and the kingdom around every single one of your lives. So that whatever happens in the middle, storms and snake bites and all those things, we go back to the fundamentals of the book of Acts, Lord Jesus Christ and the kingdom. So I stand here as a very broken man. I, never, I was sitting in a lunch, And my heart rate is 58. It's been 58 my whole life. My heart rate is 58, and I was sitting in a business lunch. I I own businesses. I was sitting in a business lunch, and I looked at my watch, and my heart rate went from 58 to 130 in 10 seconds. And I thought, I'm in trouble. I'm having a heart attack. My face went numb. I looked at the guy. I said, listen, China, I've got to get out of here. I think I'm in trouble. I drove at 50Ks an hour to the doctor. I went there. By then, my heart rate was at 170. I said, I think I'm having a heart attack. He said, you're not having a heart attack. You're having a panic attack. And he said, I'll take your bloods. I'll get back to you tonight. That was on Thursday. He got back to me on Monday. By the time he got back to me, I'd lost 10 kilograms in four days. And I spent three months in bed. I never got out of bed. And I had to start believing that the Lord Jesus Christ was actually in charge of my emotion, in charge of my intelligence, in charge of my future, in charge of my finances, as he is of Brendan's. But I don't know if it's going to take three months, if it's going to take six months, if it's going to take nine months. But I'm a pastor. The apostles and the prophets will help you. Advance will help you. Common ground will help you. They will bring a structure in place that can help you into your future. I'll just cry with you. And pray with you. Because I want to tell you, hiding here is some very strong, tough Afrikaans men. That inside, deep inside, they're scared about the future. And they're scared about facing some of the demons of their past. I grew up in an alcoholic home. I know that. I never faced that. And then one day I was sitting opposite the psychiatrist, and, and it was a woman psychiatrist. And so now this big head boy, captain of rugby, is sitting across the way from a psychiatrist. And she said to me, what role has alcohol played in your life? So I said, nothing. She said, what is it in your life? I said, it's neutral. And she got up from her desk and she walked across and she sat next to me. I said, I like the table between us. She put her hand on my knee and she said, Young man, 52 years old, same age as Brendan. Maybe I was 51. What role has alcohol played in your life? And I broke. I absolutely broke. And I realized, I've never had a drink in my life. I realized that alcohol was not neutral in my life. Alcohol was violent in my life. And I never dealt with it. I never actually wrestled it to the ground. I never got the blood of Christ into it. So I just never drank. And I thought in never drinking, I have victory over alcohol. But actually, I'd never ever confronted alcohol. And when I went to go and see the guy, because my feet went numb, when I went to go and see the guy and he tapped my knee and, and my knee didn't react, he said, you know what? You all come into my office between 45 and 50. you all triple A type personalities. You all think that you're in control. But he said, between 45 and 50, you eventually run out of natural energy. Then you've got to start facing the things that are affected in your life. And then I've got to go and find myself in the book of Acts. And thank God through all these storms and snake bites and all those things, I've got to trust your kingdom and I've got to trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Good. So let's look at Acts chapter one in case you don't think I preach the Bible. <laughs> Are you with me? Yes. And you know what? If you're here for the first time and you don't know Brendan, you'll know this, God loves you. And it's not all about mission. And sometimes we just got to stop. We come to the church because we're in trouble. And God can stop for one person. This is what it says in the book of Acts. Chapter 1 verse 7. He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or days that the Father has set by his own authority, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Say Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And Judea. Judea. And And Samaria. And to the ends of the earth. That, I grew up on that scripture. We, we were an apostolic, vibrant, healthy, multiplying, expanding culture of church planting. We were going, we were going, we were touching, we were going to Holland, I was flying to Australia, one year five times to Australia, speaking at conferences, flying to England, going to America, into Brazil, going to Germany, we were going because the Bible says Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, outermost parts of the world, and we were going, 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 and Bloemfontein was growing, thousands of people, and inside my heart was dying. I was getting tireder and tireder and tired inside of my heart. And then I sat in front of a psychiatrist and she said, what's wrong with you? I said, I don't know, I've come to ask you what's wrong with me. Tell me the book of John. John chapter 2. If you've got your Bibles, if you haven't, I'll read it to you. Don't worry, I'll read it to you. John chapter 2 and verse 23. Now while he was in Jerusalem, say Jerusalem. Now, while he was in Jerusalem, John chapter 3 and verse 22. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into... Say it. Say it. No, Judea. You should know the Bible. Chapter 4. Then the Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who had baptized but his disciples... When the Lord had learnt of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman, say Samaritan woman. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, sixth hour, eh? 12 o'clock. You don't go and draw water at 12 o'clock unless you're a prostitute. You go and draw water when it's quiet. You go and draw water when it's cool. You go and draw water early in the morning or late at night. But if you've got a no reputation and if you're actually an outcast, of, then you go and draw water in the middle of the day. And it says this in chapter four and verse 42. They said to the woman, we no longer believe that because of you, but what you said, we now have heard from ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Say the world. Book of Acts says this, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the world. This is Jesus' model. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. What's Samaria? Is Samaria a geographical location in Cape Town or is Samaria a broken woman at a well? And that's a question we have to ask. Because either I'm on an apostolic mission and I'll end up using you, you will join me, you'll join my movement, and I will use the resources of your church to get to the ends of the earth, or I will sit with you like a Samaritan woman and I will cry with you and say to you, ma'am, tell me about your husband. She says, I'm not married. He says, I know you're not married. You've had five husbands and the man you're living with now is not your husband. I'm the perfect man. I'm number seven. I'm the one who will come and make you whole. Friends, we're either on an apostolic journey or we're following in the footprints of Christ that when somebody actually gets broken, we can stop and get them fixed as part of our apostolic mandate. Amen? I was at my business the other day. I have a petrol station in the Free State, 350 kilometers from where our church is. And I got an SMS from a girl, a Samaritan woman, a broken woman. She SMSed me. She said, I'm at your business. I'm filling up with petrol. I'm looking at the mountain behind your business. And she said, I just want to tell you, I feel safe here. I was four pumps away from her. I was at my business as well. I was driving out. I got an SMS. I turned around. I parked next to her. I said, hello said, what are you doing here? I said, what are you doing here? We went to a mug and bean. I've got a mug and bean. We went for an hour and a half. We had coffee. I opened up the scriptures. I said, do you know what it takes for God to have organized this meeting at my business 350 kilometers from Pretoria? You would never have been able to see me. But because I do business and because you travel to Natal, we managed to meet here. And in that moment, God put together a redemption plan that puts her back into the apostolic mandate. Amen? I have a little hotel. The smallest Marriott hotel in the world. And I'm on the council of Marriott hotel owners. I get there and these guys own like 4,000 rooms. I own 22. (laughs) They say, what are you doing here? I said, I haven't a clue. But I've got a lot to say. (laughs) I walked in Tuesday night last week. But Thursday night last week, Minus four degrees. One bedroom left. One bedroom left. And there was, a couple at the th- there was a couple at the reception, and she had got blinded by one of the trucks. It was 8 o'clock at night, freezing cold. One bedroom left, but it was a suite. It was double the price. And I said, good evening to them. And the lady looked at me, or the man looked at me and said, are no, you not Rory Dyer? I said, yes, I'm Rory Dyer. He said, I'm Graham Temlett. I said, hello, Graham. Graham Temlett moved from Durban to Johannesburg, hired one of our deacons from Glenridge, trained him how to build, sent him to Namibia to do a major building project. He came back to Joburg to work for Graham Temlett, and then he came and built our 91 million Rand church, which he built under budget. Graham Temlett taught him how to build. He built our church. I said, Graham, it will be a privilege for me to give you a hotel room. You see, friends, as we move around, God just supernaturally crosses our paths. Why am I here? I'm here because 27 years ago, I met Brendan and Tash Lock, and God crossed our paths. I don't know if he needs a hotel room right now. I don't know if he needs a cup of coffee at Mug and Bean. I don't know what he needs, and I don't know what you need, but I want to tell you, I will love you. I'll love you, my friend, because you're in more trouble than you think but I'm in for the long haul. And I don't know how long it'll take and nobody knows that story. And there are other men who have got more skills to look after the structures of this and the future of this and the well-being of this. But you also need pastors. And our paths cross not as an apostolic commission to go to Samaria, our paths cross because you like that woman are broken near the well. And I join you as a broken man and we trust we can drink from the water it will make us well. Don't get caught in the structure of the forward advancement of the kingdom of God. Just worry about people. It's about people. The one next to you, the one behind you, the one in front of you. I was in a meeting, thousand leaders, Dudley Daniel preaching, the apostle to the nations of the world, And the Spirit of God hit me as a 21-year-old boy, and I started to weep. I just started to cry from deep inside my soul as God got hold of me for the first time. And I started to disturb the whole meeting. And an apostolic man walked up to me. One of the team guys left the chair, came to me, and he said, Hey, young man, you're disturbing this meeting. You must be quiet or you must leave. And Dudley Daniel stopped to me. He said, Leave His name was Paul. He said, Paul, don't take your seat. And he looked at me, he said, Young man, you can cry as much as you like. You can disturb us as much as you like because God is busy with you. And for the rest of you, thousand people, you're going to have to bear with it because God's busy. That was the that was the leader that I grew up under. And people say he's this tough apostolic man, but he stopped a meeting of a thousand people because he could see that God is busy with me. Now God's busy with you. And if you think leadership tough, it's going to be one of the toughest journeys of your life. But we'll love you. And we'll look after you. You know, if, whenever I'm in trouble, are you with me? Am I You okay? When, whenever I'm in trouble, ever, I, I mean, I took over this business of my dad's and, and everybody said to me, I'll never get a license in, in, in my name, I went, how long have I got? i got 10 more minutes. Five more minutes. Okay, I'll do, I'll do, I'll do seven. <laughs> and a half. And, and they said, I'll never get the license. And, and he had petrol stations and he had fast food outlets and all these things. And they said, I'll never get the license in my name. So I, I tried everything. All my connections. I tried, 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 no, no, Nothing. And then my wife said to me, why don't you pray? I thought, oh, I've never thought of that. It's, a, it's a amazing. It's unbelievable. Let, let me pray. So I got on my knees and I said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. I'm in trouble. I don't know what to do. I need favor with the, with the Department of Mineral and Energy and with a lawyer who drives a Rolls Royce. You know, lawyers are all Charlies. I've got a book called Lawyers and Other Despicable Creatures. So if you're a lawyer, God bless you, join another church. No, I'm only joking. Come again. Come again. Grace came and law went, but I mean, you welcome. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You'll have to get Rigby in here to fix the theology. But I got on my knees and the next day I went to a rugby tournament sponsored by the Department of Mineral Energy and the, and the Director General's son and my son played in the same rugby team. And I said, I need help with the license. He said, I'll help you, no problem. And a couple of days later I was sitting with this lawyer who drives a Rolls Royce. He comes in and he thumps all his files on the table. And we sit down, I've got my accountant, I've got my lawyer, I've got my partner. And, he's, and, he, and he sits down, and he's a very like, loud man. And he says, isn't one of you a missionary? My heart sank. I thought, Flip, he's an atheist lawyer who drives a Rolls Royce. (laughs) So so I said, yes, I'm a missionary. He said, I love missionaries. My parents were missionaries. I've got such a heart for missionaries. And he he said, hey, don't you make speeches at schools? I said, sometimes. He said, did you speak at the Woodhill College speech day? 18 months ago, and you told a story about your dad on the side of the rugby field shouting, go boy, I said, yes. He said, that story changed my life. I love that story. Is this your dad's business? He said, I'll help you with pleasure. In the midst of when you don't know where to go and and, and you you just need a pastor to come into your life and just get on your knees and say, our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be your name. I don't understand God. I've lost it. I'm sitting in front of a psychiatrist. I don't know what the future holds. I can't get the license in my name. I don't know about my child who's on drugs. I don't know where my dad is that left me. Whatever your situation is, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Brennan and Tash and your beautiful children, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then I read Acts chapter 8, 9 and 10. And in 8, he leads a military man to the Lord. In 9, he leads a Jewish professor to the Lord. In 10, he leads an Ethiopian eunuch to the Lord, a financial man. And if God can lead an army guy, and an educated guy, and a financial guy, one guy's black, one guy's Jewish, one guy's Gentile, if God can do that, one guy's African, if God can do Acts 8, 9, and 10, then God can do anything. And whenever I'm in trouble in business, I read Acts 8, 9, and 10. Whenever I'm in trouble emotionally, I read Acts 8, 9, and 10. Whenever I'm in trouble financially, I read 8, 9, and 10. I would love to spend three hours opening the book of Acts to you and somehow putting the Locke family in there and then the eldership of this church and then the common ground story and then Rigby Wallace and the future of this church and how God's, I'd love to put you in there bracketed by Jesus and the kingdom of God. Are you with me? I was reading the other day, it says, excuse me for, this in the Bible, in Deuteronomy it says, everybody whose testicles have been crushed or who, whose genitals have been cut off cannot come into the presence of God. And then I was reading the Ethiopian eunuch and he says he was reading from Isaiah 53. And Philip came and sat next to him and he said, who is this man speaking about himself or somebody else? And if you just continue reading Isaiah 53, it says, it pleased the Lord to crush him. And I thought, if I can be so rude, the the moment you place pressure upon a man's testicles, he starts to scream. And inside that Ethiopian eunuch, the pain of his castration must have been absolutely, it must have been harrowing for him. And he thought, who can ever feel the pain of my crushing? And then he reads just a few verses later, and it says, it pleased the Lord. It was the will of the Father to crush his son. And then he must have thought of the pressure. You cannot, if you're in your right mind, take your child and place any form of pressure upon their head. And yet the Bible says it was the Lord's will to crush him. And in that moment of crushing, That Ethiopian eunuch got healed. And then he reads, he reads, Isaiah 53, Isaiah 54, sing, O barren woman. He was barren, and it's much more embarrassing for a woman to be barren than a man. And it says, sing, O barren woman? You mean we can actually start singing? I can't reproduce, but I can actually start singing. Isaiah 55, come all who you've got no money, come buy, eat and drink. He's the Ethiopian. the treasurer, he's the finance minister of Ethiopia. He understands money. He says, you can't give free chow. But Isaiah 55 says, you can give free meals. Isaiah 56, you eunuchs, do not, give yourselves, do not call yourselves barren branches, for I will give you a name greater than sons and daughters that will never be cut off. And he's thinking, but it's been cut off. And God says, I will give you a name that will never be cut off. Whatever's been crushed, whatever's been cut off, whatever's been destroyed, whatever has been twisted, if we find ourselves in the book of Acts, the living testament of God as a gift to the church, over every one of your lives, there will be three letters at the end L, J, C. Lord Jesus Christ, I prophesied over your church. You're in safe hands. This is an amazing eldership team. This church has been through many things and it still stands. This was not Kevin van X idea. This was not Bruce's idea. This was not, this was God's idea. Before I was born, God had this church in his heart. My grandpa used to say this, the church has been thrown to the dogs many times and every time the dog dies. You can't kill the church. The ANC will go, communism will go, Ramaphosa will go. Mandela's gone, but when everybody's forgotten about them, the church will still stand. And so you're in a tough time now. I think tougher for Brennan and Tash than they've ever imagined. I don't know how long it'll take because every time you put a time on it, it's like a ticking time bomb. You're thinking one more day, one more day, one more day. I can't get it. I don't know. I don't know. But I know this. I'll entrust you to the book of Acts and to the, the Word of God and to pray, and I'll be your friend. I won't overstep my authority. I will be your friend. I will love you. I will cry with you. I will look after you, and if you need me, I'll come down. And you, my friend, and your family, I will look after you for as long as you need, and I don't know how long that means. That's a promise that can cost me a lot of money, but it's a promise I'll make in front of these people because I don't know if you'll be back. I don't know when you will be back. I don't know what the future holds, but I want to tell you this. You've got some friends who will walk with you into the future that will love you. And never forget this. Samaria is not a geographical location. Samaria is a person. Thank you.